Today's program was brought to you by Le Creuset, made in France since 1925. The first and finest enameled cast iron cookware, a favorite for generations. For more information, visit lecreuset.com. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com. This week on Meet and Three, we're exploring the culinary wonders of urban New Jersey with a tour through Newark. We speak to Frank Mentesana at Phillips Academy Public Charter School. This idea of family style and made from scratch lunches continues to be a bit of an anomaly in the city. We also hear from Gil Speyer from All Points West Distillery. Newark used to have an incredibly rich beverage alcohol history. And we'll tour Aero Farms, the world's largest indoor vertical farm. We're growing using 390 times more productivity than field farming and 95% less water. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network to be amazed at the wonders of Newark. That's meet plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Good morning. This is the uh, Main Course OG, broadcasting live from Roberta's here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It's Thursday, March 28th. I can't believe it's almost April. Um, I am Emily Pearson. I am in studio this morning with Patrick Martins. Thanks for having me. Always, Patrick, always. Mike Edison. Hey, guys. Brandon Hoy. I am here. Awesome. And our guests for the Weekly Grill are Chefs Chris Fisher and Antonio Mora. Good morning, guys. Morning. Good morning. I like that that thing I just heard on Newark. Did they name it Newark just so it sounded a little like New York, and so people would maybe mistakenly Is go there? Is that your Joy Behar coming out? There New York. There. Okay, you want to go to Newark? Yeah, no problem. I'll take you there to my cousin's uh, Italian restaurant. Paris on the Passaic. That's, that's another <laughs> name for it. Yeah. All right. Well, we, this time we're in New York, not Newark. Yeah, but the Joyzy Riviera. <laughs> Mike's from Jersey. He's God got proud, proud deep roots. Goddamn straight home of baseball and Frank Sinatra. Speaking of opening day, yeah. New York Yankees. We're all wearing our shirts or hats except Brandon. Why aren't you a, a Giants fan? Why are you a Dodgers fan? How did that happen? Fair I, weather? Was there a little fair weather happening? In California? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. maybe. I, actually, the, the funny thing was is I, I was also an A's fan, but the A's but were I was the cool just. Team. I was just a bigger Dodgers fan. And, and what was it? Eight, uh, 80, 87, maybe? There was the A's and Dodgers and the Kurt Gibson. I think that was like really. No, that Kurt, was Kurt the Gibson was 88, beating oh, the, was the, the Mets and uh, limping around the bases. Boy, that hurt. But, you know, right. 80, 89 was the A's and the Giants, and that was the earthquake. That was. Uh, right. That was Right, and, and, and the Bash brothers later turned out to be like, you know, <laughs> jacked with the teeth. On what if he didn't make it around the bases, like actually was incapacitated for like a few hours? Would they have counted the home run or would they have been like, sorry, you yeah. lost? I don't know. I don't really know how that works, but but I wish I the steroid really era still existed. <laughs> Why can't, like, wouldn't it just be a better sport altogether if they were just like crazy <laughs> freaks with muscles coming out of their eyeballs and just 
just home runs like can I ask a more the, serious I question? Think no. I think they skipped to like genetic modification if you look at Aaron Judge. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Like fucking... They just GMO'd him. They're, they're yeah. just like industrially raised baseball players. I, I agree, it would make things a lot easier if they just stopped checking for the stuff. Just let it go. Well, that's let what them, they did for a long time. Free. So let's say you're a coach in football and you're like you go to the ref, you're like, when it gets down to two seconds, I'm gonna call a timeout, but then he becomes incapacitated for a few seconds and doesn't actually make the motion. Is the ref like Sorry, dude, you didn't go like this. You became incapacitated. I, I, no, I think that if you like have a stroke while you're about to call timeout, I think that they're not going to grant you the timeout. So you can't, you can't, they, you they can't probably plan will call one, an ambulance like an alarm for clock. you and maybe possibly take you to the hospital and check All your right. arteries. But and let's not forget, we're on the road to WrestleMania coming up this week. And I'd like to suggest that if the NFL and Major League Baseball adopted the same policy as the World Wrestling Federation, WWE, and fixed all their matches, it would be much more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> How do I segue from that? Mike. Oh, okay. Nothing's going to be You were masterful now. last week in segues, but I don't know. That's a I hard don't one. Know. I don't a, know. All right. This, this question is, you know, okay. So This, this is this so set, serious. I mean, now. it's a little serious, but this um, this next section of the show is called the weekly based. I'm going to start with a- start, start with question two, maybe. All right. Fine. <laughs> Number one got bumped. Next week. Okay, guys. Is there one ingredient you worry your child will hate? And I guess what I'm really asking is, is there an ingredient or food that is so wrapped up into your DNA that if your child didn't like it, you would think maybe you're not the father? Well, obviously, mine is pizza. It would be <laughs> fucking crazy if my kids were like, I don't like pizza. It would be heartbreaking. Well, Thankfully, you- both of my kids, that's all they want to eat. It's my, not like that thing where they're so turned off by it because it's so no. a part of your life. Like no, they're, it's, it's pizza, they go the though. opposite direction. Mine is cabbage. My Russian roots. I'm predisposed to want cabbage and rice. And even when I would hate all vegetables, I could eat like 10 pounds of cabbage at a sitting. Pickled cabbage, regular cabbage, cabbage and rice. That's my DNA. I didn't know this about you, but it really starting to make sense because you, you smell of cabbage. Mm-hmm. Chris, you're about to have a baby. Do you have one? Oysters. Oh. I grew up on Martha's Vineyard and like just surrounded by oysters. I could almost guarantee your child is going to love oysters from the day it <laughs> right? comes out of the It's probably just going to be like, do your kids eat oysters? Uh, absolutely not. No? No. <laughs> My dad me? used to shuck them I and he'd put them in his hand and he would just like kind of throw them like at like a year and a half. These are wild oysters, right? Not yeah. farmed. Yeah, exactly. you are. I, I grew up like that as well. My 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 father had crazy shit around all the time. Raw squid, just everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever. It was just fine. It was just the thing you did. But my kids have this crate. Like they just see a thing that they don't like. I don't know how it got into their brain, but it's like it's like you want to try broccoli, and they're like, oh, and it's like you've never seen it before ever. Nobody's even said the word broccoli to you. Why? In your mind, were you like, that's got to be the grossest thing I've ever seen? My parents had such a bad relationship with food. You know, they lived in fear of fat. They lived in fear of sugar. They lived in fear of like carbohydrates and fried food. So anything at all was was like you know outside the the, the you know regularly appointed formulary of food. You know, a piece of cake was like the danger zone. But they they are coming out with a lot of studies that show that when people are sick or whatever, when they do these DNA twenty three kind of things and trace people and where they are. Uh, where they come from, those foods help those people to to go back to those traditional ingredients. What about your kid, Antonio? 
I'm lucky. She likes everything that I like, so I haven't had any. So you did a good issues. job. She's older, right? 14, She's 15, 12, yeah. 12. So what do you Yeah, like? but Antonio only eats uh, grilled cheese sandwiches and hamburgers <laughs> and exactly. French, fries French fries and chicken nuggets. Dipped in chocolate shake. That's all we drink. No, we, we grew up in the country. My dad used to deer hunt, and he'd have all his friends deer hunt, and he would our barn would just be filled with venison. Oh, wow. And he would take the offal out and uh, cook it up in the in the kitchen. Wow. So that was all very normal to me. And eat, like my whole life, we'd be driving down the road and he'd be like, is that is that a fresh... Like he would look for... Um, roadkill? Roadkill. Oh my God. And he would teach us how to like test how fresh the roadkill was. I believe okay. they legalized that in, in, uh, yeah, in Oregon, correct? Am I right about that? Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of strange that it was illegal to begin with. They were just <laughs> like, you know, guys, it's pretty fucked up. Please. But it's just so don't. you don't drive around hitting animals and yeah. trying to sell it. That's true. Oh, so right. legitimately I'd never thought of like it that way. People are like, it's raccoon again, bro. <laughs> or a, yeah, yeah, a deer raccoon. runs in front of you and you, I, I mean, I would kind of try to swerve and hit him. Swerve and hit him. Yeah. Well, you're so asked. your dad taught you that like, that's that's the better way to drive? I was doing an, a wine event. <laughs> I probably shouldn't tell this, but I was doing a wine event with, with April Bloomfield okay. and Andrew Mariani, and I was on the phone with Andrew where it was like a wine and, and meat thing, and I fucking hit a deer while I was on the phone with him while we were talking about the menu, and I was like, there it is. <laughs> and I Night brought special. it to New York. Oh, really? That's cool. like the Oregon a Sports April probably liked that story more uh, than anybody. Yeah, she canceled the event when she heard that. Uh, heard that. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, boy. All right. All right. Well, I want to ask this next question. This is uh, one thing that fascinates me. This is a two-part question. What is the oldest thing each of you has a concrete connection to? You know, object, the place. Concrete. Oh, concrete. <laughs> That's good. Brandon, where's the bell? Uh... So your family has Mar uh, roots in Martha's Vineyard, uh, 1600s. Tony, you guys have been here from even before, right? Your family came in like the 1500s. We won the Mayflower. Mayflower. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the oldest thing? I, by the way, have an Etruscan vase. I don't really have much of a connection to it, but I do own an Etruscan vase, which is kept way high. And that's like 3,000 years old. How about a Grecian urn? What's a Grecian urn? That's new. I don't want new stuff. <laughs> I have an Etruscan vase. So what else is it? But I'm trying to think. Do you have a family object that goes back 200 years, 300 years? I think I have some baseball cards that are like 50 years old, <laughs> yeah. maybe. We grew up uh, in a place where there was a lot of Native Americans, and uh, my dad found a mortar and pestle that was, he found like both pieces to it. It's just like a carved out piece of ocean stone and then the pestle. Huh. That's pretty cool. It is amazing, but it, it's also really head. interesting that once your grandparents die, for some people, great grandparents, you really lose so much connection. There's maybe one great person from two centuries ago that you might have been connected to, but basically, after a hundred years, you lose everything. You know, I asked uh, New York Times had an article once that was interesting. What are the three musical groups that will be remembered in 500 years? And they said there'll only be three: Earth, Wind, the and Fire, Beatles, Elvis, and Chuck Berry. They wow. said everybody else will be forgotten in 500 years. It's just an interesting concept. Well, Not the OJs? The corollary to that is what will you send on to 500 years from Didn't now? Didn't Jesus write some good songs? I guess I did. I mean, He's we, doing pretty I good. Mean, springtime, we're about to celebrate Passover, in which we celebrate what my, what my God did for me when I was a slave in Egypt. So <laughs> so that's got like six yards worth of culture right, right. He's there. He's done pretty good. <laughs> 
So what will of yours live on the longest? Well, you're a book writer, so the you'll oldest, have books. The oldest book that I have in my house is a um, it's a really beautiful edition of Edgar Allan Poe's Tales of Mystery Imagination, and I found it after my grandparents died. It was like my father's book. It was like it was pr- printed in the late 19th century, and it was on the, it was the garbage heap. They were throwing it out. They were just going through stuff and throwing it out. And maybe I was like eight years old. I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, it's gorgeous, like tipped in illustrations, like, like the real deal. I mean, the book now is, you know, it's one of these beautiful first edition, you know, very, very exciting. So what's books. that? So will you, will you, will you, will you pass out, that people on? People don't value that stuff. No, I'm taking it with me. I mean, obviously his cats can't read and they had probably just fucked the book up anyways, right? Like, Oh, I forgot. My, Mike only has cats. Yeah. yeah my cats are pee on Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> <laughs> but what will you leave behind? I don't know. What will nieces and nephews? I had to, um, in, in lieu of uh, the in-laws paying for a honeymoon, we had them make two portraits of us, like old Renaissance portraits. I actually had like Gloucester Old Spot pigs in the background, even though I was like on a brownstone in Brooklyn. And uh, I don't and think what, anyone what, will and, ever throw that out. And I what hope. kind of cheese did your wife have in the background? She had a little piece of probably Jasper Hill, you know, Vermont cheese. But I, I thought that's really cool because I want to send stuff off. I've always been fascinated by yeah, time capsules, you know, for people to get a lens into life at this time. Yeah, but you're, you're talking about my nieces and my nephews. They, you know, they've heard of Bugs Bunny. They've never seen a Bugs Bunny cartoon. It's amazing. Okay, that's unbelievable. They're the first generation not to have seen a Bugs Bunny I really cartoon. thought Patrick okay? was going to say he was going to And the generation leave. before them, I was uh, talking to a 20-year-old kid the other day who had heard of Frank Sinatra but couldn't name a Frank Sinatra song. Really had no, I mean, well, that's, that's it. it. I, I couldn't name a Frank Sinatra song. Oh, come on. I couldn't. New York, New York. I'll give you a hint. Never heard of it. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, I mean, none of them come up. I think they play the Liza head. version at the stadium, though. I no. think it. De- I think it depends what your parents. I couldn't name to. an Elvis song. Oh, so that was I'm not, not. I mean, your dad's I'm just giving a frame genre. of reference. No, people forget. My dad. So music, musically, what are you versed in? What would like? Where My, would, somebody gave me all of U 2s cassettes when I was like seven. So yeah, so Joshua Tree, you can mm-hmm. pretty much name every song off of Joshua Tree. I don't, I don't, I don't have a good memory for that stuff. That's good. I know like some acorn. T- I can like identify acorns and oak trees. <laughs> I was gonna say some people like they that. use their brain capacity in a different way. Yeah, that's much totally. more mine important. Is filled, mine is filled with useless shit, just completely clusterfuck. But in the 20th century, knowledge. every American, even in the Wild West, knew Shakespeare plots and traveling troops, and they would get upset if the acting troupe didn't act out a certain scene well. Now, the thought of knowing Shakespeare, it's like outrageous. The kid was like, why the hell would I need that? That's so stupid. So what's valued at one time is totally classical music. People could name you, you know, performers, jazz musicians now. I mean, you can't name one probably. Shakespeare? Here's a hint. Everyone does. Okay, now, now you're set with that. Everyone does. But it is true, though. It's like people don't know who couldn't name what Mozart was famous for or when he operated. They have no concept of the fact that he was doing his best work during Let's the American Revolutionary War. What century was Mozart? Just century. We're giving you a hundred year. Oh, see, this is really embarrassing. And now you have me on radio. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, next the, question. Wait, wait, wait dad, next week when we have radio with pictures. If it of, makes you feel better, I don't. I would. I wouldn't know how to answer either one of those questions. What was Eighteenth century Mozart. Eighteenth. Yeah, the end of the eighteenth century, uh, and then then Beethoven was later. Beethoven was the beginning of the Romantic period. For those of you keeping score at home, wasn't the song Amadeus in the eighties? <laughs> Falco. I think so. You, you said about a time thing? capsule. Uh, I'm in shock. <laughs> so just push the Patrick. Martin I'm in shock that Patrick didn't say he would leave behind his Instagram. My Instagram is. I think will be the Smithsonian will take care of that. I'm not going to have to do Falco. anything. 
But uh, you, what about the knives? Your knives. Th- won't this new French restaurant propel you into 500-year status? Probably. Definitely. At least forever. What? Do you own anything super special that's an actual object? Uh, I have a really big collection of art, old first print art books. Hmm. Like nice. First printed Picasso and nice. Miro, stuff like that that I've inherited from my grandfather. Hmm. So... Those I'd like to give to, to my daughter. That's well, awesome. think about those people back in that day, the 20s, if they had kept some of these early Impressionist paintings that were being sold for free or just given away yeah. back then. Shit. See, the old the joke in my house is I'm very old-fashioned because I like modern art. Right. You know, because, because I like abstract expressions. I'm like, dude, that's like so 100 years ago. And I have a really <laughs> cool painting of Ralph by Ralph Fascinella that it, it's like an old, of a family. He was like a, what is it, a primitive kind of art. But like he did a lot of social stuff, so I want to give that to Elena. Cool. That's Sorry, we don't collect many stuff. objects. I wonder also if like flea markets are. There's still great finds at flea markets. Mm-hmm. Really? I well, up where you are, yeah. No, I, well, I was in Italy. I found this goose bowl. It was like this handmade goose bowl, and it had like 300 geese around in their in their necks form the rim of it. That was. Oh wow! I, and what was it for? Like fondue? I gave or it something? to my stepmother. <laughs> she was a real you must goose. Really huh? love her a lot. Yeah. Next question. Hold on. Antonio was getting a phone call. He was in my way. Antonio, we're on the air. Yeah, but you know, the whole thing, though, about flea markets, I mean, the internet kind of did crash that whole scene. I mean, the idea of finding bargains was kind of ruined by eBay. I mean, I collect guitars, you know, and getting a good pawn shop guitar, that's not really happening anymore because everybody knows... What's well, people know more. the value, and they put it in the right place and, and they'll, they'll to get sit the on most. It. Even there things that don't have really intrinsic value, some cool Japanese crud from like the early seventies or sixties. That's just cool. You, you can't find it in a pawn shop because someone's going to hold it on eBay, even for a couple hundred dollars. We're not talking about twenty five thousand dollars less Pauls. We're talking about you know junk. But even then, someone's going to buy it and sit on it because there's some loser like me who totally wants it. But the thing is, I'm not going to buy it now because unless I stumble across it, I don't really want it. Those are things that to me they got to find you. Does you it lose? It's mystique. You don't, by you don't you find have... them. They gotta find you. Like pawn shop and flea market items now are like the the. It's like you gotta clean out your grandfather's storage space, and you just don't want to deal with the shit. So you don't look through any of it. You just grab it, and you're like, take it all. That's the only way you're gonna find anything good. Those, those happens like and, upstate in Maine. Yeah, and places I mean, like the, that. The, it's like highly unlikely you're gonna find that stuff because most people like are gonna look through and see what's of value. Try to put it in, like you said, put it put it in a place where they could get the the most for it. But or like a baseball like, car where Reggie. Jackson's number were backwards. Oh, like Brim- error cards. <laughs> Brimfield, Massachusetts. Has anybody been there? Mm-hmm. That's a, that's the biggest flea market in America. Twice a year, it's an entire town. Um, you can get un- amazing things there. Hmm. That's cool. But there's an art to it, you know, like having the patience, knowing what to look for. Is you it have just to because be good. you? Yeah. Do you know that it's it's value? You know, because do you have the eye for it? Have you done your homework, or are you just like I think that's but cool. But do you think there's twenty year old kids the same saying the same thing about eBay? They're like eBay. You got to be really good. You got to be patient. You got to wait for your <laughs> yes, thing. Like, you know, they're that's like true. you got to know how to search. Don't you, buy you gotta, now. You got to put a filter on there and have your your notice your uh, no 
notification like, set. All right, yeah, well it's very said. Highly specific. Can you imagine having eBay when like we were in high school, like you know, for whatever weird thing that you wanted. Gee, I need to find some weird Howlin' Wolf record or or whatever it was. Like, oh, I can push a button and get it rather than having Howlin' Wolf. Good thing that was Sun Studios. We learned yeah. about him. You know, I mean, because like when I wanted whatever it was, whether whether it was like a you know a blues record or even a punk rock record, I had to get on a train. I had to go to the city. I had to find the right record store. I had to talk to the correct old hippie who knew what the fuck I was talking about to get it. It took like you know an hour and a half to get there. But that's the story. And, well, that's it. It was like no. When I got home, it was like bringing silk from the Orient. I mean, that shit was valuable. You used to sit and actually watch it on the turntable, you know, because it was like a, its own own miracle. I'd call my friend over. You got to come over and hear this thing. It's called the Sex Pistols. You're gonna love it. You know, it was a real discovery process. Can you that's do Howling Wolf's imitation just for the people, the young kids out there who don't know what his signature sound Perhaps was? Perhaps after a few more drinks, I will. All right. So come back. All to right, we have Wolf. so many good food people in the room. I want to talk about food a little bit. What would each of you like the dining out public to understand that they don't currently? Good food costs more money. Heritage meat. I think nice. I, I read this a long time ago that that America spends the smallest percentage of its income on food of any developed country, mm-hmm. something like less than ten percent. If you just bump that up to like twenty five percent. And I wonder where that other like five percent is going to what to what garbage <laughs> is that other five percent going? Like they're buying like like crap knives off of the home shopping network or Kom- their uh, kombucha. <laughs> kombucha. New shoes. I don't yeah, know. kombucha. I was actually most disappointed by uh, you know, Martina and pasta flyer closing. It was this fast casual concept where you could basically eat as good as in a fancy restaurant, but you would be served in like a minute and a half. In the case of Pasta Fire, you get served in like 15 seconds. It's delicious, high-quality pasta. But the dining public didn't want that. Um, and I think also they marketed to high-end people. They could have been marketing also to the school teachers, garbage men, policemen, construction workers with that kind of energy. But it was really sad that those places closed because I would have loved a fast-food pasta concept in America. It would have, People would have eaten healthier it's amazing that you can make good pasta in 15 Emily, seconds. Emily, sorry, but I, I think you've asked this question on this show before. I think we had this question a few weeks ago, did we not? We did, but I, I decided to... So I'm going to have to give uh, a new answer yeah. than, be, than, than my last we, we, one. We have a mostly I, different... I think, uh, I think another thing here. is that like uh, uh, a plate of food that's, that photographs well for Instagram is not always the most tasty plate of food oftentimes it's probably the opposite Mm -hmm. usually something that doesn't look that great is probably going to be the most delicious thing you ate so if you look if you sit down and something is like completely stunning and you take a great photo of it and your friends all all 19 of them like it like (laughs) like just try it first before you fucking start boasting about how beautiful it is because it probably tastes like shit what about you antonio you run a restaurant how many covers does your restaurant do on a busy saturday um, five hundred to seven hundred, and it's a high end restaurant too. I mean, this is a lot of people paying a lot of money. So, what is one thing you'd like to see the dining public do? Um, I don't know. You're happy <laughs> that, with them? That, I have an important what question. About, yeah, what about people that like their steak cooked uh, medium well? Does that I, bother you? It, it doesn't bother me because I think that's more cultural than than it is pe- that people don't They're know what Jersey. food is. And oh, and uh, yeah. oh. <laughs> But uh, I people people want to eat the food they want to eat it, and I have I have no reason to stop them from eating it like that, you know. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen. So. Yeah. It has a different steak. flavor. By the way, talking about heritage breeds, the first caller gets a free T-shirt from a uh, from this 
flagpole farm project uh, selling heritage breeds. So call in the studio number. It is 718-497-2128. You can tell we've never had a call in because he he absolutely (laughs) butchered that number. He had no idea. Okay, this is the number. For 10 years, it's been the same phone number. Trafalgar9416. That's how they used to do phone numbers. No, it's 718-497-2128. Be the first caller, and we will send you a shirt uh, supporting a project, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. What's the number? It looks like a great show. It, or you can Instagram us. Antonio's or dialing in now. Get ready for it, G. All right. The call is coming from inside the house. Drunk snacking. <laughs> Drunk snacking. Mike? Oh, God. Anything in sight. Well, what he are, just are ate. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, love, I love it. Just like rummage. You know, whatever's there. I mean, at my house, you know it's cold pizza. Cold pizza's the best. Standing over the kitchen naked, ideally. I just call it snacking, unfortunately. It doesn't have to be drunk. I just eat too much all the time. I was thinking about that. I think it's just more alcohol for me. Like, I don't have the desire to eat. I just keep drinking. What's your drink? Tequila. Mine is gin martini. Gin Gibson's, basically. I'm going to actually agree with you. That's like when I'm drinking, food, like food is so far out of my mind. I'm like eating, eating is cheating when it comes to drinking. It's like if you're going in, you're just like, that's it. Like I, I drink until I pass out. There's mm-hmm. no food involved. Yeah, weed. No, I'm already thinking about my late night food by my second drink. It's like one yours? allows oh, the yeah. other. Which slice place am I going to go to? I'm the same way. I told Patrick yesterday, we were talking about uh, drunk eating, and I said, probably my best, I mean, it's always pizza. Always. It's not chicken fingers. It's not french fries. It's always pizza. My best one was when I had the cab pull over at Joe's on Carmine, got a slice, walked home to 15th Street, but by the time I got to 14th, I was done with my slice, so I bought another one. Oh, my God. And well, then I got home, and my roommates had just ordered a pie. I obviously had some more. The trifecta. I get too drunk with Anne, and, and so I, she has to drive home, and then she won't stop, so I have to push her out of the car and stuff like that to make sure that we stop near a pizza place, and it ends in a fight, usually. But it's worth it. You're, you're saying pushing your wife out of the car ends in a and fight? fight, yeah. <laughs> uh, what a strange lady. <laughs> and and I'm not confused, doing right. too. <laughs> Antonio, will you cook for, like, Drunk late night eating? Like oh, a cassoulet and a Le Creuset? Uh, just cheese and jelly sandwich. That's it. Yeah. I'll, mm. I'll, like, <laughs> like if, it, if it really came down to it, I I'd probably make like a mustard. quesadilla or something. You know? Yeah. like or may, I probably wouldn't even get that deep. I'd probably just like cook a tortilla and put some like hot sauce on it. Well, this <laughs> is, is a great segue. <laughs> I don't even make a sandwich. I eat it all separately. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> just the deconstructed sandwich. Yeah, just eat the bread and the cheese. Each a spoonful of jelly. Well, by yeah. the way, I got banned from a deli for, they had a grilled cheese for $6. So I went and I said, could I just get a Kaiser roll by itself? They're like, that'll be 30 cents. I'm like, could I also get a side of cheese? They're like, that's another 25 cents. I'm like, could you throw that baby in the grill just for one second? <laughs> They were. They let me do it. They were like, "That's eighty cents." I'm like, "Here you go. It's a dollar. Keep keep the change." That's like. And then the third time, they were like six ninety five. I'm like, "How dare you!" That's and we funny. got into a huge fight. Oh, it's terrible. They had great burgers too, and I, I never got any more. Well, how about, how about the rice and cabbage? <laughs> great segue. You each are a finalist at the universe's best bite competition. This is a global thing. You've gone through 80, 90 brackets and rounds. You are finally in the finals and the people with the best palates are your competition from all over the universe. And you get one bite. You can submit one bite for them. 
Do you innovate or do you do a classic? What is your bite? I'll start with the chefs. Uh, I don't innovate a classic bite. Classic? So what would be? Like one bite for uh, the world. Yellow rice and black beans from La Caridad on 78th and Broadway. Nice. Oh. I like it. With a little something spicy. Upper West Side, old school. What's that? Upper West Side, old school. Absolutely, yeah. Chef? The best bite I ever had was Benito, raw. That In, moving fish? Yeah, it's like a small tuna, lighter flesh, and uh, just freshly caught, no seasoning, just a piece of the loin. Just like It just like melts. It's already, you know... It's already seasoned. Just the perfect flavor, perfect fat content, everything. It's amazing. That, that was the best bite I've ever. You're like a Kennedy. It's always fish and oysters, raw foods running off the coast of the Atlantic for you. I like it. You? I don't see the Kennedy correlation. There, but... <laughs> uh, well, you are I handsome. Can't, I can't. Yeah, follow. You're, you have that going for you. I Thanks. can't follow that like pure ingredient, delicious fat. It's because I grew loin. up in the in the in the country. It's like, yeah, deer hunting, vegetable gardens. Everybody fishes. You, you trade fish. The cool thing, like the oyster, the old timers would, when it was like October, they would harvest a whole bunch of wild oysters and then they'd stick them in a bucket and just keep them in their uh, in their garage for the winter, so they wouldn't have to dig them all winter. Mm-hmm. And the oysters would age, so like you have one in in January and it's like it's like a little Pickled? funky. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was really good. We, I, so I grew up in, in Northern California. And my my grandfather was an abalone like abalone and they kind of did the same thing. You would have like this, ah, it kind of sounds gross, but it's like this fermented abalone, mm-hmm. and it was delicious, and you would just like slice it thin mm-hmm. and just just eat it raw, and it was, I, I don't know, it's just, I think it's probably one of those acquired tastes, but like when it's just, these things you grow up on, they're so... What is an like, abalone? I'm sorry. An abalone? They live off the rocks. I, I don't know if they exist anymore. Do they still yeah, exist? Yeah. There's not a lot of There's them. There's abalone you, you, divers, right? You, you could barely, you could, you used to be able to just like grab a whole, like you could get 14 of them in a day. But what is it? An abalone is like a large shellfish. Oh. So and and like the steak is you know it's it's big it's probably the size of you know a small pork chop and it has por- it's like a porcupine kind of thing or no no it's you've probably seen an abalone shell it's a a bit large shell iridescent on the inside if you go to a hippie's house in northern california they probably have their soap in it um <laughs> uh, you, you know it's uh it's it's a antonio a and i shared a bite together on martha's vineyard you go out in a pond, uh, Menemsha Pond, and you rake for uh, yeah. cohogs. Clamming. I don't oh. clamming and you're in the ocean, and you get this. the, it's a top neck. You know, it's bigger than a little neck and smaller than a like cohog. chowder clam. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, when you eat it in the pond, mm. it's just like, the and it's meaty, and you shuck it perfect. That was amazing. That was the best. Mm. I'll tell you, I'm thinking, like, like also the same answer to the, to the drunken food now that I've thought about it. It is the White Castle double cheeseburger. Okay. <laughs> Preferably obtained on Queens Boulevard. In a pond. <laughs> in a pond. The, the pond. In a, in a waste pool The pond, pond of death that is Queens Boulevard. Yeah. But that's it. The bite. I call it, like, like a meat petty four. You know, the way it's stacked and layered. It's that one bite. That it's, it is delicious. It's, 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 if God had made anything better, he saved it for himself. Well, you guys know about what you might not know, but I'm really adamant about a 100% all-waterfowl all diet, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So one of my <laughs> favorite bites is those Chinese 
pancakes, you know, with the pecking duck, hoisin, yeah, pecking duck. Oh my god, I agree. That that one bite, and then my second bite would be the bagel, cream cheese, scallions, onions, wild caught salmon. That whole bite. And third is carne cruda, the the raw meat, but not tartare where it's very capery. This is like just olive oil, like they do in Northern Italy. Those would be my three from a rare breed. There's no rules on the Patrick Martin show. (laughs) No, formally formally known as the main course. What one of the best bites I ever had too. Lardo di Colonata. Oh yeah. Have you ever had yes, that? Yes, of course. Holy so shit. So good. Pure It's fat. up in um in Tuscany. Emilia Rom- Oh, where is it? Um? It's on the coast there. Tuscany. And and this is Mountain Town where Michelangelo used to mine his um marble. Oh, and wow. uh uh they built these casks in they in these mountains they age uh these pork the uh, back fat and that's all they serve in these little towns. And you just like hear the, the trucks going because they're still mining and you're eating just pure back fat. It's so It's actually healthy. It's I actually have been food. mining Definitely. back fat lately. <laughs> it's a, a, something that I like to do I'm on my spare time. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I was going to say also when we recently had um, like a whipped lardo. Remember when we were with mm-hmm. uh, Taylor from the Fatted Calf? And Del Posto served that with butter. It was like a whipped lardo oh, that was no, no. wipe on your bread. That's I could also the, do whipped well, lardo that. with like a nice piece of lardo on top of it. Mm. Just that's a real stack. So Del that's Posto. a lardo wrapped around rabbit yeah. liver. Yeah. And, then stuffed in, and then stuffed in a White Castle burger. <laughs> Del Posto does the lardo, but they also do that. Um, it's like a cultured butter or cultured cream and it sits in olive oil and it looks like they're bringing you a little piece of uh, buffalo mozzarella but mm. in fact it's this this um, creamed butter I think going to Best Bite a like perfect crispy uh, freshly baked bread with like the perfect crumb and a li- and some yeah. of that butter like you white- love dairy this is an homage to Mark yes. Ladner yeah no man yes. I love Mark to death well we talked about how sad pasta fire there should have been one at every gas station in the country. Um, I, was, I was also so psyched to see Brooks Headley getting a yeah. James Beard nomination. Yeah, for Superiority awesome. Burger. Yeah, they it's should not do shout out Their Impossible Burger should be a pork burger or something. You know, the Impossible <laughs> Burger for a vegan burger. Found it. All right. Nice, nice, nice. All right. What's your number one? Favorite food business in America right now? No ifs, ands, buts, or qualifiers. Just name a, name a company. I don't want to affect your decision, but... So Patrick can't say like four different ones. Well, yeah, like all of these. I'm just going to say yesterday's New York Times one. did call Heritage Foods the company at the forefront of the non-industrial meat movement. That's a big statement. Non-industrial. The company. Forefront. Forefront is so, so much if you were going to say Heritage front. Foods, like today's the day to say it. Thank you. All right. Top food company. One. You were going to say Mandela's International because of the uh, Marlamar. Brandon. Monsanto. Is that enough? Uh, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Should we just jump on into this? Who, who produces MSG? Because uh, I need to get I need to get that number down. Exxon Mobil. Yeah. Top food company. Who's making the best chicken on a stick at the gas station? Heritage. Heritage. Good. So, I like Brodo. Uh, Marco Canora's oh, yeah, bone yeah. broth company. Oh, we tried to sell them pork they have, bones, but yeah, they don't they use have pork bones. Yeah, they have beautiful, they make amazing broths you get in a coffee cup, just like that. It, it's so nutritious, it's hydrating, it's 
filled with protein. It's like it's just a what's it give you energy or what's its nutrition? Uh, there's a lot of protein. There's tons of electrolytes. There's tons of um, collagen. Um, and it's like it's a superfood. Didn't we talk it about is this a, a few weeks ago? Bone broth, it's, where we were saying how like understate, like it's just like one of the greatest the things best. that exists. And it's the utilization of a something that would otherwise get thrown away. Mm-hmm. And we have a culture that eats a whole bunch of shit, and you know, it's like it's, it's pure energy. It's so it's good. good for your gut. Yeah, and the oh whole thing God. is very sustainable. Yeah, brodo all the way. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in one minute with questions for our guests, Chris and Antonio. I'm Jimmy Carboni, the host of Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. When I'm not making food radio, I'm making food. And my favorite cookware is the 9-inch cast iron Le Creuset fry skillet that never leaves my stovetop. My Le Creuset recipe? Slab of bacon and some vegetables in the skillet. There is no better skillet than Le Creuset for my kind of skillet cooking. It spoils me. The heat retention is amazing. Heat a tortilla on super low heat. I even take my Le Creuset skillet with me when I travel. Bacon, quesadillas, burgers, chicken cutlets. Chefs always talk about sourcing the best quality ingredients, knowing your suppliers, using the right cookware and tools is just as important. Head to lecreuset.com slash HRN. That's L-E-C-R-E-U-S-E-T dot com to see all the new products and amazing holiday gift deals. HRN listeners will get 20% off the new Le Creuset cookbook with the code HRN. Hey, this is Katie Mosman-Wadler. I'm the executive director of Heritage Radio Network, and I wanted to say thanks for listening to the only pizza-powered radio station in the entire world. For a decade, HRN has broadcast live from two shipping containers inside Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, telling the most entertaining and educational stories about food and drink across 35-plus weekly shows. HRN has made it this far thanks to the support of listeners like you. If you like what you hear, show us some love by going to heritageradionetwork.org donate. With your help, HRN will be able to keep the lights on, the mics hot, and the pizza coming for the next 10 years of food radio. <laughs> that should be the small one. All yeah. right. Can I have the We were having a conversation here about uh, fish broth. And the small portion at Brodo should be called the Frodo Brodo. My greatest idea like that was Conway Twitty at a little amusement park called Twitty City. Swear to God, like Dolly Parton did. And I thought the children's part of that should be called Itty Bitty Twitty City. But (laughs) nothing happened. I think the park closed. I was thinking... um, Somebody should hire rabbis to start a rabbit company. Be like the rabbi rabbitry. <laughs> rabbit rabbit, yeah, I like I it. it. That'd be good. That's and they're pretty. I think that's kosher. Kosher rab- kosher yeah. rabbis. Kosher rabbits. It uh, would be a good business. All right, do it. 
Okay. So we are back. Uh, the main course OG. If you were listening before the break, we're in studio with chefs Chris Fisher and Antonio Mora. And um, we have them here today to also talk about a special project that they're working on. So, Chris, in celebration of the Year of the Pig, you have partnered with my good friend Antonio here and Quality Meats to help raise money and, and awareness Heritage and mm-hmm. Heritage Foods and Heritage Foods with Patrick. Uh, raising awareness for the Sylvia Center, a nonprofit based here in New York that teaches young people the value of proper nutrition and how to cook. Can you tell us more? Uh, yeah, a friend of mine raises a handful of pigs every year in Martha's Vineyard, and uh, he sort of entrusts me to sell them for him. So um, last year, I don't know if you bought any last year. Last year, Jody Williams bought a bunch. Um, I, helped you, great. I helped you yeah. deliver them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was the oh, we made muscle. sausage too. Um, and so this year, um, I wanted to collaborate with both of these guys. So I kept bugging Patrick, and I uh, with Antonio, we wanted to come up with a concept that was unique. So we took all the loins and bellies. We wanted to do something that was like a nod to tradition, and then also sort of innovative. Uh, with just like with the idea of porchetta and spending time in Italy and just what a beautiful product that is. So we took all the loins and bellies. We're making porchetta at Quality Meats from it's a rare breed. From a rare breed, American Guinea hog. Um, Very which is hard a, to find. Yeah, beautiful darker meat. Um, and these these pigs were raised on a salt marsh uh, on Martha's Vineyard in uh, a beautiful spot. So they had a really good life, great diet, pre seasoned. And um, preseason, yeah. So it's a lunch and dinner special. You can get a sandwich at lunch, or you can get an entree medallion of this perfectly um, beautiful porchetta. And all the proceeds go to um, the Sylvia Center, which Antonio can talk a little bit more about because he's worked with them. And uh, yeah, we're at, the idea too was to not have it be like this one event that was super labor intensive, but like a way that people could come in and support this cause. Mm-hmm throughout the week, throughout the month. And then also um, the idea would be to do it again in the fall with a different mm-hmm. farm, different cut of meat, different sure. concept. Um, so Better restaurant. Just kidding. There that is no so better mean. restaurant. That wasn't even funny. Um, hey, what? by the way, I'm afraid to ask this. Did we get a call in, Jeet, or no? Oh, yes, we did. What? Wow, we sold the shirt. They're beautiful shirts that are available I, I at think... Quality Meats, which is one of our favorite restaurants in all the world. And... Uh, you know, and uh, at during, during the break, com. we were looking for a name for the fish Brodo company. I think we should have the caller um, give us a, mm-hmm. a name for this company. Who was it? Did they give their name? Go for it. Oh, it so Dennis, Bro- Brodo is a bone oh, broth company. We need a name for our fish broth company. And all we could come up with was Photo because we're stupid. Well, I liked Frodo, oh. but... Oh, uh, Frodo. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was in a collective we're stupid, not no individuals. Uh-huh. I mean, we, we could probably rank it in this room. It, that would be a fun game as well. Who's the stupidest oh, person def- here? Definitely. So how did you do that, Antonio? You just uh, are like, I guess I'm making a porchetta and serving it for $28 a, a plate. I mean, is that easy at a restaurant at your scale to just no, weave I, in? I mean, put a lot of thought into... Being able to do something like this without affecting the operations, that's because we're such a big restaurant. And also, I, th- I think a lot about a conversation you and I had once about how if every restaurant in, in the city just sold like 1% of or 2% of their stuff was heritage or like um, American Guinea American or, you know, anything that was, you know, if every restaurant did that, it would it could change the culture of how people eat in the country and 
So all of, all of that combined, and um, I just love to be able to serve something special like that in the restaurant. You know, a lot of people come for steak, but then to be able to offer something like a beautiful product like the one Chris was able to get is, is amazing. And I'm happy you didn't go with my marketing idea, eat more guinea pig. Uh, that just was not going to take off. I am a huge proponent of eating guinea pig. I, that's that that needs to be. Well, you're a big I, rabbit guy, small animal. So tell guy, us what, exactly. what is this I, I fascination think you're with rabbits? Guinea pigs at the fourteen hundred dollars seats at Yankee Stadium. Tonight. Oh, are they? What is this fascination with <laughs> rabbits? We learned today that you love rabbit. Um, I used to run my family's farm on Martha's Vineyard, and it's an expensive habit to get into. And so, uh, I bought a bunch of rabbits. Um, from this high school kid who started raising three and ended up with 65 and was trying to play soccer and get good grades and all that. And so I bought all his rabbits. And then they can be raised to uh, market weight on a completely vegetarian diet. So I built these cages with mesh bottoms. So I would harvest a crop of lettuce and then I would put the rabbits on it and they would eat all the um, Mm. scraps. So they were my best employees for a while. Um, And yeah, they... Then I just, um, I just fell in love with the fresh, the whole thing. Like you can kill them on the farm. Mm-hmm. They're cleaner animals than chicken. Um, obviously, whenever an animal gets like exercise and is moving around, it's going to be a healthier meat. So, how do you define the taste of their meat? What when people say what's rabbit meat taste like? What are your chef's answers? It tastes like chicken, but I think it's gamier. I think you, it's it's got a little bit less. Fat, so you have to be a little more delicate with it, mm-hmm. you know. I also like comparing farming to, you know, like drug addiction. Mm-hmm. It's a very bad habit. <laughs> it is a bad. Farming habit. is a tough habit. I always did six other things so I could still farm. So Antonio, uh, just we're jumping around. We got about five minutes left. Uh, you're the executive chef of Quality Meats. Give us a bit of insight into kitchen life and culture in New York City's high end restaurants. Um, I'm fortunate to. It's such a busy place, but I'm fortunate to work with a bunch of like 30 guys, and they're all really hardworking people with with families, and I love going to work with them. And I think, you know, I don't I don't know. If, people always appreciate the chefs, but the cooks that I work with, you know, they're the backbone. And I, you do a lot of Instagramming on them. I see it. Yeah, with your I, I love to. If you I, walk into Antonio's kitchen, everybody's happy. You know, everybody's like working hard and focused but there's a certain yeah, I culture love, i love creating a culture where everybody's you know friends friends with each other but also i encourage them to hire their friends to work with us because it's easier to train but also then they're they're comfortable working with each other there's not and so even in such a big place that's important and it's also with the you know as you know like with with labor and and it's getting people to be happy at work and you know and creating a culture where they, there's not a lot of turnover and that's really important to me it, it, it kind of sounds weird to say but you kind of got to get everyone to drink the Kool-Aid too mm-hmm. it, and it seems like Antonio makes some pretty good Kool-Aid so mm-hmm. the best. but like yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's the secret an extra packet yeah a little packet and some love. That's it. Yeah. Respect and well, love. Well, you guys brought yeah. the hot tub back. I noticed at Rebecca Roberta's. It was a it was a a, a sauna. No so, hot tub this year. Uh, we we did have a sauna, but yeah, you know, it's it's the little things. And you, the the more employees that you get, the kind of the harder it is to kind of keep that like family that family kind of mentality. It's Can we do a wiffle ball tournament yeah, this season? I would love. To, they have the best feel still, for wiffle ball. The, I here. still I still the wiffle ball still sits above my desk and the bats like right there and i like look at it all the time just being like one day 
one day wiffle ball life will come back to us. Do you guys know who the best wiffle ball player was at, at Heritage and Roberta's combined? You're looking at him. Are you a lefty? No, I'm a lefty. He <laughs> no, was a better he, basketball player. This, uh, this, this, You're a lefty just like your godfather, uh, yeah. Reggie Jackson. And the park out here is set up for a lefty. So. I'm, I'm righty and everything, but I bat lefty. And I, I and I like to hit it out of the park. Yeah, he got he got the short fence. <laughs> I had to go I had to go deep center field all the time. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sad to say we have to wrap this up. But for all of you who uh, want to learn a little bit more, there's more information about uh, Chris and Antonio's project and the Sylvia Center on HeritageFoods.com on our blog. We've also posted on Instagram. How did you guys St- meet, by the way? Just. Just he worked for Keith McNally in his restaurant huh. at Mirandi. I worked for Keith McNally on Martha's Vineyard on his farm, and he had a uh, pig roast. So he came down with Tony Liu, and we roasted pigs. And You guys still talk it. to Keith? I don't. So we're not going to talk to this caller, I guess. Who got the thing? They didn't stay on. It they just claimed the shirt. It's it a cool shirt. <laughs> so you guys going to the opening day over there at the, the Hudson Yards of baseball stadiums? <sighs> First of all, it's a nice stadium. Hudson Yards, we didn't bring up, but we've been talking a lot about is it going to work? Is it's not? Are there certain neighborhoods that'll just never work? Like, I suspect South Street Seaport will just never work. There could be a destination restaurant there that maybe people go to, but that's never going to be bustling. That movie theater is pretty nice over there. Is it? I pick, yeah. Where you can lie down. Lie down, order food. We brought our dog to see uh, Isle of Dog there. Oh, really? She loved it. Did yeah, we have Tatiana here in yeah. studio. Who was her favorite character in Isle of Dog? I don't remember the names. <laughs> I liked Bill Murray's character always. Who doesn't not, not like Bill Murray? The dogs to the movies. So starting next week, April 1st, Porchetta at Quality Meats? Yes. April 1st. We're going to go <laughs> eat some right now. Yeah. yeah. And that's not a, a April Fool's joke. That is oh, not no, an April real. Fool's. We are going to do one at Heritage, and it's going to be funny. What's uh, Patrick, <laughs> what's the next one we're going to do? What do you want to do? I well, is it? A, but let's stick with the same breed, right? The guinea or no? I think I like we that. We should do rabbit. Well, you want to do pork? You want to keep? Is there any? Small I would like producer? to do rabbit. Let's do rabbit. Rare breed, heritage breed, All not right. commodity breed. Then yes, absolutely. Chicken I think rabbit. Americans would love to eat more rabbit. Is there any concern that you're going to replace all of your employees with rabbits? <laughs> uh, no, I'm trying to get them not to have babies. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I am uh, signing all the ladies up to an egg freezing program <laughs> in our freezers and just hope we don't make a mistake. The best and rabbit order. technique I ever figured out was you take the whole thing and you lay it out like it's, you know, face down and then uh, just confit it in lard uh-huh. with like rosemary and garlic and then just pick every little ounce of meat off of it. And nice. You can do so many different things with it. That I think rabbit. We just decided it. Rabbit in the I think you just decided the preparation, too. I'm in. Let's do it. And maybe we could do rabbit, like we do one event, like at at one place, you know, over the course of a month. But maybe like 10 restaurants jump onto the rabbit thing. 10's a good number. Get the different restaurant groups. All of Keith's places, of course. (laughs) All right. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And uh, we're excited to taste some of the porchetta. And proceeds go to the Sylvia Center. Second best show on the network. Stick around for Tech Bites up next at 11. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, good radio supported by you. For freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. 
Enter your email at the bottom of the website heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.